Welcome back to the Vine Church Podcast. Today, we are continuing our sermon series, Seeing Jesus, exploring the first nine chapters of Luke's Gospel. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. So we, yeah, as Andy said, we're continuing in our series, uh, Seeing Jesus. We've got to Luke chapter 6, verse 1, and we're going to look at what Jesus says and does about the day of rest, the day that um, we um, take to be Sunday, uh, but in, in, the, in Jesus' day was, was a Saturday, the Sabbath. And um, I guess this is something that is really central to who we are as, as Christians. Um, I've never heard anybody preach on it. I've got hundreds of books on my bookcase and only one of them is on this subject. Uh, and I guess I, I feel uh, underprepared for this in a big way. And, and earlier in the week, I was almost about, as Joshua knows, to phone him up and say, can you do this one? Because I knew that at very short notice, he would be able to teach on, on, on this very easily. Uh, but let's dive in. Uh, I, I'm here for one reason alone, actually, and that's because I think that God's given us me something very specific uh, to say. So Luke chapter 6, verse 1. Uh, On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them uh, in their hands. <clears throat> but some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus answered them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and he took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat and also gave it to those who were with him. And he, Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal uh, on the Sabbath, uh, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. Uh, and he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it, uh, as you're planning to do to me? No, he didn't say that, but he, he knew that was what they were thinking. Um, and after looking around at all of them, because none of them had an answer to that question, he said, stretch out your hand. Uh, and then and he did so, and his hand was restored. And I just, it just makes me smile that, you know, Jesus, who's being accused of working on the Sabbath, doesn't even lift a finger. You know, often we, we get Jesus doing things, laying on hands, rubbing mud, you know, doing sort of stuff. He doesn't even lift a finger. He just says, stretch out your hand. And the only person who lifts a finger is, is the man with the withered hand, and he's healed instantly. His hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do 
to Jesus. And in the other Gospels, it says how they might destroy him. Uh, yeah, it's not what they were doing uh, that bothered the religious people. It's when they were doing it. So uh, picking grain, going through a cornfield and picking grain, you know, there was requirement. There was perfectly legit in the law. You could do that. It was spelt out that a, a traveler uh, going through a cornfield could pick grain and eat it if he was hungry as he was traveling from A to B. He just wasn't allowed to take a scythe and, you know, cut great big bundles and take them home. And similarly, if he was going through a vineyard, he could uh, eat grapes if he was if he was hungry, and, and it actually says in the law he could eat as many as he wanted. He could fill himself up with grapes as long as he didn't fill his uh, rucksack with them. So it was perfectly legit what they were doing, but the issue is the day on which they were doing it, and the Pharisees had in their desire to uh, keep the fourth commandment, which is uh, to make. Uh, the Sabbath day, a day of rest where you don't work uh, and you remember God. Uh, they, they didn't want to break that. So they added these extra laws to um, make it uh, a breaking of the Sabbath. If you even, you know, picked corn or healed uh, somebody, they completely uh, missed the point. So... Um, before actually sort of focusing in on what Jesus does, I thought it might be a bit of a helpful to kind of set the scene about, you know, what is the point of the Sabbath? What, what, what even does the word mean? So Sabbath or Shabbat means to stop or to cease. And uh, the Jews would have known that it was uh, enshrined as a, as a holy day and the fourth commandment, uh, you should remember the Sabbath, uh, keep it holy, don't work, um, is absolutely key to the sense of stopping and resting and being refreshed and, and what the, the Sabbath uh, is all about. And uh, today, uh, followers of Jesus uh, don't do that on a Saturday. They do it on a Sunday for a number of different reasons that I won't go into, but you know, partly um, that they wanted a break uh, with the past, but also that the, the Sunday was the day that, that Jesus rose from, from the dead. Um, so it's about stopping, it's about resting, it's about remembering. And I thought it would be really helpful for us to just to look very briefly uh, into what it says in the, in the Old Testament about the Sabbath in Exodus 31. I think it's a really helpful passage. And I'll just read it. Uh, for you. Um, and it says this, uh, Exodus 31 verse 12, and the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, so this is important, okay, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you, Okay. So the Sabbath is about remembering God and remembering a number of things about God um, uh, and, and, and the fact that it's he who sanctifies us. It's he who makes us right. It's he who makes us holy. We don't do that. We, we can't, uh, as the Pharisees seem to think you can do, if you keep the law, um, you, you, you could somehow make yourself holy. But everybody knows that you can't be right 
by keeping the law. We are rule breakers, aren't we? And I, and I just love the way, you know, Jesus it, it doesn't defend uh, whether they're working or, or not by picking the corn. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, you remember David and how he did something that was unlawful? Yeah. Uh, how he fed people who were hungry? You know, how he was compassionate and kind and merciful and broke the law? Yeah. And Jesus is starting to allude to uh, what this is all about. Um, we're, 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 we're lawbreakers. I'm a lawbreaker. I, I mean, it dawned on me this morning. I, I broke a law this morning. I was standing there singing through my mask, breaking a law. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, as, as a doctor, I should uphold to that law. You know, we want to protect others from transmitting the COVID virus. But I'm naturally a lawbreaker. I went through the Ten Commandments. I've broken every single one of them, including murder and adultery. I am a lawbreaker. I can't get right with God by keeping the rules. Only God can sanctify us. And, and God is saying to Moses, one of the reasons that I've given you the Sabbath day is to stop what you're doing and to remember that only I can make you right with God. Only I can sanctify you. You can't do it yourself by trying to keep the law. You will never, ever succeed. We are not saved by our good works. We're saved by the grace of God uh, uh, through faith in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He goes on, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days you shall work, your work shall be done. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, is a solemn day of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Now, I, I thought I would miss that out because I thought, boy, that's going to be a distraction. People want a, an, an explanation of, of why you know, we're not put to death for keeping the Sabbath. And I'm not going to go into that, but basically Jesus has dealt with that for us. But, what I, but why, why I didn't leave that out, because it's repeated twice in this passage. This is serious. This is really important. We know that if we don't rest, we will die. Yeah, it's a fact of life. And I think what God is saying here is that if we don't rest spiritually, and we'll learn as we look at what Jesus is saying, what that means, we will die spiritually, not just in this life, but through into the life to come. So I haven't left that out. <laughs> Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he, God, rested and was refreshed. So there's another thing that this seven-day cycle of taking a rest every seventh day is to remind us is that God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. Now, we know that God uh, didn't need to rest in the sense that he never grows tired or uh, weary. Um, but I think when we look at what's going on in creation, we, get a, we can get a sense 
of what it means for God to give us this example of resting and being refreshed uh, on, on the Sabbath. So day one to six, creation is going on and it is amazing. Okay. So imagine you're there. Imagine you're, I don't know, an angel and you're watching what's going on. It's these things are here and everything is sort of zooming into and it's like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, God gets to the end of day six and he said, it's very good. This is perfect. And then on day seven, he stops creating. He doesn't stop working because he continues his work of sustaining and maintaining the universe, holding it all together. But he stops his work of creating. And it's like, oh, well, day one to six, it's all eyes on creation. Day seven, it's all eyes on God. It's who made this? Wow. Are you going to do any more? What? And and I think day seven is about stopping and looking to God. And I just love this little phrase. He rested and was refreshed. And I've kind of looked into that. Nobody knows what that means. What does it mean that God was refreshed by, by stopping on the, on the Sunday? And I can't, I can't really fully get my head around that. But the best that I could come up with was the sense that on this, on this day, God receives something through observing the delight of his creation in him. So you remember day one to six, all eyes on creation. Day seven, all eyes on God. On day seven, all eyes are on the creator, the provider, the sustainer. And God receives something that we can maybe call refreshing through the delight of his creation in him. And although God never changes in the sense that he doesn't change his character, Jesus is the same yesterday and today, ever, there is a sense in which God is refreshed, renewed, made bigger, he doesn't get any bigger, but he is made bigger in our eyes as we stop and we look to him. And the best that I can do is C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis seems to have this gift of capturing things that I can't, I can't describe what I'm trying to say now. It, 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 it's a thing. It's a new thing. It's a discovery about God that's kind of blowing my mind. And, and C.S. Lewis captures it. In a, in a children's story, in, in one of the Narnia Chronicles, in, in, in Prince Caspian. So the, uh, the, the four children get transported into Narnia again, and uh, they haven't seen Aslan yet. And uh, Lucy's asleep, and she is stirred, and she, and she goes out into the wood, and there's a glade in the middle of the wood, and she sees Aslan. And uh, as we know, Aslan is a, is a type of Jesus, of, of God. And she runs towards him and embraces him. And they fall on the ground together and she kisses him. And they, you know, and she says to him, she says, Aslan, you seem bigger. You're bigger than I remember you. And, and Aslan says, it's because you have grown that I am bigger 
And Lucy says, well, isn't it because you are older as well? And he said, no. As you grow in your world, so I will grow bigger in your eyes. And I think there is something in that, in the Sabbath, as we stop and we behold God, all that he has done, all that he is doing, all that he is going to do for us, that he grows bigger in our eyes. We, we, we've inherited a bread maker. Um, and on Saturday morning, I awake now to the smell of fresh bread. And it is just amazing. And it makes me remember something that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he's fresh and he's new every morning. So when I read this in Exodus that God said he rested and was refreshed, I think, I don't know what that means, but I do know that he's not stale. God is not stale. There is something in which, although his character doesn't change, he is renewed and refreshed in our sight. He is bigger, as Aslan said to Lucy, as we grow in our appreciation of him. I've heard people say, I don't want to go to heaven because every day is going to be like the day before. It's going to be boring. No, God is not boring. He is not stale. He is new. He is fresh. His love doesn't just not run out. His mercies are new every morning. There's a sense in which it's not the same old mercies. Oh, yeah, we've got to be forgiven again for doing wrong. No, there's a freshness about it. It's like that fresh bread in the morning that you wake up to. Again, um, C.S. Lewis captures it, doesn't he, in the last of the Narnia Chronicles, the last battle, when the, four cho- the, the children realize that they, they've They've died with their parents in a train crash in real life. And they're talking to Aslan and they're really sad that they're never going to see Aslan again. And Aslan explains to them, no, no, your life uh, in this world and your life, your life in Narnia was just the front cover of a story that is going to go on into eternity where every chapter is better than the one before. How does that work out? I don't know. God is bigger. He gets bigger as we appreciate him more. So I think this is why the Sabbath day of rest, that cycle on a seven-day basis, is so important to us to behold, to stop and behold who God is and what he does. Okay, so that's kind of like a background. <laughs> that's, that's like touching on the real meaning of what Sabbath is about. Now we, where we can, you know, and it's filling us with joy and excitement. And then we can look at the Pharisees and their legalism and their, their there's a real contrast, isn't there, between the joy of Jesus' disciples merrily being able to eat corn in front of the Pharisees, to see a man healed in front of the Pharisees, and they're getting absolutely furious with him. There's a huge contrast going on. The Sabbath is a gift that that God gives to us for our benefit. It's not supposed to be a burden. The Pharisees are making it uh, a burden. So 
I just want to look at some of the things from this passage in, in, in Luke that Jesus, through what he does as much as what he says, teaches us what this special holy day is all about. First of all, it's, I mean, it's not about legalism. So it's like, you know, I mean, I work on a Sunday. Loads of people work on a Sunday. That's fine. That's why, you know, I, I've even broken the law by singing in church this morning. That's not the point. The point is that God looks at our hearts. That's what he's concerned about. What's in your heart? And it, the, the Sabbath day, it's not a day um, for us to um, kind of keep a lot of rules, to kind of give a bigger impression of ourselves to others, but it's about us getting a bigger impression of God. So what is Jesus doing? He's, 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 well, first of all, he's saying, I'm in charge. I'm, I'm the, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And, and, you know, we're really, really pleased when, when the GoPro doesn't work this morning, that we can say God is in control. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And that means that he's the one who started it. He's the one who gives it to us as a, as a gift for us to use. You know, Jesus said that the, the Sabbath is, is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We're not supposed to be slaves to a, a legalistic ritual. It's given to us to bless us and be a benefit to us. And we see Jesus blessing his disciples. They're, they're feeding when they're hungry. They're, he's healing a man who's, who, who's sick. So ultimately, the Sabbath is all about Jesus. He is Lord of the Sabbath. He started it. Um, and it's about us stopping and, and, and looking to him for our needs when we're hungry, when we need, um, when, when we realize that we're a lawbreaker and we need forgiveness, you know, that um, Jesus, Jesus is the one who has, has done it. But we need to stop and remember all that, that he has done. You know, isn't it? I, it just struck me this morning, actually, that David, uh, although he did nothing wrong when he went into the temple and asked for the bread and he was given it, even though that was deemed to be unlawful by the religious people, he did nothing wrong. Jesus said in, in, in I think, in Matthew about that, that it was, it wasn't, he, was guilt, he was guiltless. He did nothing wrong. Nevertheless, he was a lawbreaker. You know, David committed adultery and then he committed murder to, to uh, cover it up. And yet God said, here is a man who's after my own heart. You know, God looks at our, our heart, not primarily the things that we do. We will always fail. We'll always let him down. But if our heart is in the right place, um, we're, we're, that's good with, with God. So it's about Jesus. Um, it's it's about yeah and 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 it's about understanding and I think uh, Jesus says this elsewhere that it it's not about sacrifice it's not about religion it's not about legalism it's about mercy and as we look to God and we see what He has done as Creator and Provider as it said in Exodus the one who sanctifies you He is the one who saves us. Then, then we realize that 
It's, it's about mercy. It's about God's love and mercy, which is fresh and new every morning. And, and, and God grows bigger in our, in our sight as, as we grasp that that's what it's about. And it releases us. Uh, it, it's satisfying, like that, that fresh bread. It's not a burden. It's a delight. We're not focused on rule keeping. We're focused on love, on kindness, on meeting each other's needs. Um, and then finally, and, th and this, is, this is the bit that I'll struggle to articulate, uh, but I think it's really, really important. And it relates to everything we do as followers of Jesus, but I think particularly what we do uh, on a Sunday, because that is so central um, to who we are. And, and it's this. It's, it's not about putting barriers in the way of others following Jesus. It's not about legalism. Here the Pharisees are trying to hold back people who are following Jesus. Um, and they may have started with a heart in, in the right place. They may have started with, with God's word and, and the law, uh, which, which is still relevant. You know, Jesus is fulfilling it, but it's still relevant. You know, the, 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 the law that says, Leviticus in the Old Testament that says love your neighbor is still relevant. And in fact, Jesus expands on that and he, and he says, love your enemies, <laughs> you know, be merciful. And we'll hear about that in, in, in a few weeks time when we get to that bit in Luke, you know, be merciful just as your father is, is merciful. So we, we mustn't put barriers in the way of others following Jesus. Um, we're made right with God by faith and not by rule keeping. And we mustn't give the impression that somehow rule keeping is important for people to come to God and be right with God. It starts with the mercy of God and it flows from that to a life that's then changed and not the other way around. Rule keeping as it does for the Pharisees, makes our hearts, hearts hard, okay? Rule-keeping makes our hearts hard. Reflecting on Jesus, which is what the Sabbath is all about, makes us more like him, like God, loving, kind, and merciful. And the early church had a, had a, had a problem with this because there were people coming uh, to faith, who were coming from all sorts of backgrounds, um, and uh, and they and they were joining up with Christians who had a long Jewish tradition of of uh, relating to God and the law and requirements, and so um, this came to a bit of a head in in Acts, uh, described in Acts chapter fifteen, at a, a thing called the Jerusalem Council, where they were. Uh, saying, look, you know, all these people who are coming to Christian, they're bringing all their paganism and all their sexual immorality and all their, all these things, and it's really offending the Jewish Christians. What are we going to do about it? And there was a debate about, well, actually, we, we, we think we need to make them get in line. You know, so the men will we'll tell them they've got to be circumcised. And, you know, there were about 
I don't know, over 600 different laws that they were debating that the, um, the Gentile new believers should be getting in line with to be part of a Jesus-following family, okay? And so they had this great debate, and you know, Peter stood up and he gave uh, a bit of a, a, an argument, he, he, the case... Um, um, what did he say? Let's have a look. Um, dee, dee, dee. Um, anyway, basically what Peter said uh, was that, yeah, so Peter said, brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And, and, it, and we're saved through, through belief, through faith. And God knows the heart. God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and, and made them renewed, refreshed, born again. Um, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. And now, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of those disciples that they can't bear. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And then James, who was a bit of a kind of boss guy and, you know, the brother of Jesus. So, you know, what he said was going to be really important. He said, well, this is my judgment. Um, we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Or in the NIV, it says we should not make it difficult for them. So they had a discussion about these 600 rules and they said, well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll write them a letter and we'll send some men to go and explain what our judgment is. And off they went. And uh, when they uh, got there, they said to them, um, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these two requirements. Well, they didn't say that. I added the word two, but, you know, I just wanted to contrast it with the word 600, which I'd said before. <laughs> okay, with these requirements. Uh, ab abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and blood uh, and what has been strangled and from sexual immorality if you keep yourselves from these, you will do well, farewell. Okay? So in other words, watch what you eat around your Jewish brothers and don't be sexually immoral. Okay? Um, so nothing about, uh, you know, nothing about um, uh, keeping the Sabbath or not murdering or, you know, or any number of hundreds of other regulations so the and the the point is here that they were trying to get the message across that this is about grace and we don't want to we don't want to burden people who are coming coming to Christ and i think that the church today is in danger i mean i miriam was brought up in a church where they weren't allowed to eat black sausage um and that and that's just basically from this word you know, so so don't be sexually immoral and, and don't eat uh, black sausages. 
um, we'll, and take it, you know, just take it literally. And, that, and that's it. That's sort of kind of, uh, it, it, so we, and we, we can laugh a bit at that, but we, we are in danger, I think, as the church of starting with legalism and ending up with grace rather than starting with grace and ending up with a behavior that comes from knowing the grace and mercy of God, which changes our lives over time. As you heard this morning, I am a rule breaker. I've broken the rules this morning. I'm still a work in progress. You know, God is still doing things to, to you know, I mustn't be critical and point the finger at other people and say, you know, you need to do this to, to, to be a follower of Jesus. And I, there are so many issues uh, in our society today which are coming to a head, which are becoming more relevant, where we are in danger of saying, no, you, you, you can't really be a follower of Jesus if you're doing that. And I think we need to be very, very careful that we that we don't we don't do that. Um, to go into those things would be a whole another message, but um, that there are there are things that we we have to examine ourselves. And I I love the way that that Jesus sums up the the mercy of God in relation to keeping the law and doing the right thing and becoming a, a better person. And, he, and he, he was asked the question, you know, what's the most important? He said, well, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. It sums up all the laws. Uh, it's about love. It's about mercy. That's the starting point. And things flow from that. And I love <laughs> what Paul says about that. So Paul in Galatians 5 Verse 14, he sort of goes a step further and he sums it up like this. He says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. Okay. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19 verse 18. What was the bit about loving God? You should love your neighbor as yourself. You see, our loving each other reflects, should reflect, God's love for us. And therefore is right up there as the highest form of worship of God. And I think that's why Paul just says one word, love your neighbor. You know, it is Jesus that said, when you're worshiping God and you're in the temple and you're bringing your sacrifice of praise, stop, turn around, leave the temple and go and sort out the argument with your brother. And I, I think we have to be so careful that we are not judgmental like the Pharisees, but we are loving and merciful like God. And we put, it's not about grace or truth. You know, Jesus was full of grace and truth. It's not about, you know, grace without truth is not good and truth without grace is not good. But I think it's about grace and truth in that order. Yeah, we start with grace and the truth gets worked out over time. 
We don't start with truth. You know, whatever that truth is, and sometimes we debate what the truth is, and, and, and sometimes I say, well, actually, you know, if there's a lot of debate about what the truth is, I'm not really sure that that's the most important issue. I think the most important issue is love, mercy, grace. We start with grace, and then it will become clear how we live out our lives. So I, I hope that that's brought a kind of a little bit of a challenge to us about what Sunday, our day of rest, is about. It's not about legalism. You know, it's a gift for us, but it is about stopping and having a bigger view, a bigger impression of God and his mercy and his love for us so that that then becomes, puts us on the right front foot for, for loving others and not putting barriers in the way of people following Jesus. I'm going to pray because uh, we were encouraged to do that earlier in the children's talk. And I think it's what Jesus would do and is doing. <laughs> so, Father, thank you that um, there is a simplicity to your love and your mercy towards us and your grace that you take us as we are, imperfect people with withered hands and withered souls, and you heal us and you refresh us. And then you start, you continue that work of improvement. And I think, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there is, there is that sense in you of, of freshness, of renewing, of getting bigger in our sight. Um, it's why being with you forever in heaven is, is something to look forward to because every day will be better than one before. Help us, Lord, to grasp these things and to hold them and to have right hearts um, before you. Amen.